0: greetings and welcome to confronting racism a leader say initiative where we seek to unpack the racism debate in south africa today is part two of a series of podcasts where we're hoping that you would be able to walk the journey with us where we seek to come out on the other side understanding ourselves a bit more understanding the history of the country and how it relates to what we live today all of this of course On the back of what we saw at the beginning of the year in South Africa, the response and reactions and the debates uh, stemming from the Penny Sparrow tweets and subsequent tweets since then, while at the moment uh, tensions seem to have eased, it does not mean, I believe, that we have in South Africa tackled and dealt with uh, the issue of racism. And what we seek to do today um, is to dissect apartheid, Joining us in this discussion, Mugena Makeka directs Makeka Design Lab, an international award-winning architectural practice. He's an adjunct professor at GSAP, Columbia University, New York, at VETS 2014 Resident Equity Scholar uh, School of Architecture and Planning, a member of the UIA 2014 Durban Core Scientific Committee Group. Ron Nixon, who joins us from uh, Washington, of course, he is uh, author of uh, uh, Selling Apartheid, Apartheid, South Africa's Global Propaganda War, as well as uh, Richard Freeman, um, Uh, who is um, a, a director at the Cape Town Holocaust Center and director of the South African Holocaust and Genocide uh, Foundation. Uh, Richard Freeman is um, has a background in education, teaching English and uh, history in high school in, in Cape Town. He was uh, principal for uh, 15 years before taking up his present position. In 2016, he was appointed director for the Cape Town Holocaust Center, and in 20, uh, 2007, director of the South African Holocaust and Genocide Foundation. Richard, you are with us in studio. Much appreciated.
1: Thank you very much, Getsa.
0: If we could look at the relationship between colonialism and and apartheid and how apartheid manifested in 1948.
1: Yes, I think that it's an important connection to make. So I think that colonialism really is where we need to start looking at what influences the apartheid legislation. In many ways, all uh, the kind of racism uh, that was part of the colonial enterprise was in place, both in legislation and in sentiment before 1948. So what happens in 1948 really is just a bringing together of many of those sentiments into legislation. And what really starts to happen is to formally construct the racial state, and that's, that's the big difference uh, from perhaps the colonial enterprise, which kind of happens uh, almost organically. Here you have something which is set out uh, in a very, very dedicated process to create the racial state. Somehow
0: we're still living in a reality today where there is a lack of acknowledgement in part by some of even the existence of apartheid. How much of a Eroded the propaganda machine during um, apartheid times lead to this supposed ignorance on the subject.
2: At any time that you have a system such as apartheid, and uh, there is a move to a democratic society, uh, there are those who will still hold on to those those old traditions and 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 somehow try to sanitized what happened. So I, I think that, that there is this, this sort of continuation of that propaganda uh, that started when the National <clears throat> Party took over in 1948.
0: Mugeta Mugeta, I'd like to uh, bring you in on this and and really have a conversation about the role that the Group Areas Act had. Um, in separating people and how it still today uh, manifests in in how South Africans are able to relate to one another.
3: Sure, sure. I think it's first important to contextualize uh, racism in some ways as something that both precedes uh, apartheid, but in many ways crystallizes the sort of apartheid ideology and fundamentally it boils down to how do you control the human body in space? So there's a spatial dimension to this. And controlling that body is very much about benches, it's very much about public infrastructure, but it's also about where do you recreate, where do you live, where do you work, and it's also controlling how do those bodies interact. Hence the sort of uh, ridiculous notions of immorality between mixed, um, in terms of mixed marriages, in terms of where you might go to school. And the group area's sort of strategy, which is really about saying a particular group needs to be in this area as opposed to that one, is really an attempt to control how the human body occupies space. But it's also an attempt to control the imagination of that human body. So for example, certain activities are assigned to different cultural groups, and certain interactions are made possible or not possible, so the black body is seen as a force of labor as a as a source of, of capital that you that one can extract from. It's not seen as something that one invests in. So you find there's a different educational strategy for the so called black body. And in turn the question that, that comes really to the heart of the sort of group areas dynamic in District Six is to say what are the type of spaces that are appropriate for these bodies? <clears throat> and I think this is one of the important things is to recognize that that the psychology or the psychosis of racism is not merely a sort of cultural phenomena, but it's also about limiting that, that race's, so to speak, opportunity to progress economically, culturally, and socially. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a form of trap. So the group areas, in fact, were a sophisticated form of ghetto or prison that was designed to limit people's opportunities to interact and to be productive.
0: Today, could we say that we continue to live the impact of such legislation, and and how does it manifest today?
1: Well, I think it's absolutely a fact that we continue to to live that legislation, uh, whether it's legislated or not. Uh, the, 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 The terrible legacy of apartheid is the polarization of societies and the compartmentalization of societies. So that societies are basically unfamiliar with one another, they distrust one another. They are not able to enter into a, an imagination which includes the other. Um, they have been propagandized in such a way that that kind of uh, um, psychology, if you wish, uh, is perpetuated um, and down through through the generations, and it's something which is passed on because whilst while a school remains largely white. largely black or largely colored or largely indian it's separated along these lines because of where people live and because of which uh, the way in which they socialize the chances of their interaction the chances of their actually meeting the other and breaking down the stereotypes and breaking down the myths uh, that is very remote. We have to find the opportunities for that integration. We have to find the opportunities for the meeting, the meeting of each other in the spaces, in, in, in the, uh, the spaces in which we live, in the spaces in which we work. Uh, these are all, all the facilities that have to, in a way, be a whole re- re-engineered mm. in such a way that, that those opportunities emerge. Otherwise, we will continue to live in our silos. What was the role of
0: architects in reinforcing apartheid and also what still exists today that needs to be undone, that is still a legacy of apartheid when it comes to that?
3: You know, for many, many years, the union of, of architects um, in, in South Africa were actually expelled from the global community of architects because it was recognized that the work of architects in this country for a very long time was actually inhuman. Because the attempt to try and foist a sort of um, aesthetic uh, vision that somehow suggests that by separating people according to race, class, or other sorts of groups, and that by giving them certain amenities and resources, that somehow they are satisfied to be in those conditions and happy to be separate and happy to live as second, if not third, if not fourth Uh, level types of citizenship within the same country i think is deeply problematic so in large part architects and planners have been responsible for shaping the nature of our cities as they are today we have a a serious challenge here to reimagine what does it mean to be a productive citizen and what does it mean to engage with difference and the
0: other you speak of uh, the need to to reimagine and in in the work that you do as uh um, and and the architectural firm that you have, how are you going through that process of of, of reimagination, or how, how are you seeking in the work that you do to undo the legacy of, of of architecture and its role in separating people in South Africa?
3: I remember talking to one official who said, "But this public space is for us. If you're in that community, you're not supposed to come to this public space." public space is a public amenity. It's about us as common citizens being able to enjoy these places. It's not about this being for you or for other people. I work at that interface of trying to create a new public culture. So things as ordinary as a street lamp can provide safety in a community. The width of a sidewalk can become an opportunity to only move or it can become a place where somebody can set up shop or where communities can interact. All of these things are critical to changing the imagination of how we need to occupy the city apartheid robbed the imagination both of the oppressor and of the oppressed and it's up to us and this generation to really reimagine what could be as opposed to what
0: was what is it that we can draw from how things have changed or have they at all are we still in the u.s dealing with the legacy of of the separation of 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 races um, due to spatial planning and and, and architecture
2: one of the things that i find interesting about the country is how familiar it feels mm. uh to the u.s uh in that it had a very similar history and we also are have deal with uh, similar problems because of that history the patterns of segregation are still there even though the law doesn't say that people have to live here or there i think that there are a number of of very uh similar parallels between the two countries because they have such a such a similar history
0: and and how do we even begin to undo the the damage done
3: i think if we spend a lot of energy almost atomizing the apartheid problem and saying, "Now, how do we bring it down to the scale of how do people interact on an ordinary, everyday level? There's a fantastic opportunity for this country to not only heal itself, but to heal the world.
0: South Africa is a new uh, country, uh, Richard, that is still dealing with many different issues, and we cannot um, avoid the question of of the the economy and the fact that very much uh, apartheid being an economic construct, if you will, um, and how today besides the land question the the issue of the economy um, is is being debated where we do know that uh, the economy is still in the hands of, of the few and how there's been this agitation uh, towards um, uh, economic freedom if if you will uh, what is the history of the role of the the, the economy and how it was um if you will, shared and it wasn't <laughs> during apartheid, and how it manifests today? And are we able to normalize the situation? And how does the debate right now around economic freedom um lead to the normalization of 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 um relations between South Africans when it comes to the economy?
1: The economy is absolutely central to understanding the kind of issues that we're dealing with here, because poverty is there. Mm-hmm. Poverty and unemployment and all those issues are very much with us and still impact upon us on a daily basis and on people's lives on a daily basis. It's it's absolutely uh, appalling and, and tragic that there are, still, there, is, there are still people that cannot even put bread on the table for their families in this country. And the, until we've addressed that, how can we address the other issues? We have to address the basic needs human dignity, of being able to provide for your family, of being able to have the dignity of employment. All of these issues have to be addressed and until we've done that, we aren't actually going to be able to move the other issues along very successfully. What I
0: draw from from this conversation is is essentially the fact that there is still hope. Uh, there's certain uh, acknowledgements that need to be made, um, but we, we still have an opportunity Uh, all is not lost Uh, we do have an opportunity to to turn uh, this this country around and and in looking at um, what we have lived what we acknowledge impacts on uh, the human behavior that we're talking about and how that uh, brings uh, our country forward
2: simply a matter of telling the truth and 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 being honest about the past uh, will get you a more positive future I mean you can't sit and pretend that uh, some of the things that happened on apartheid didn't happen. You can't pretend that you know people who were revered under the apartheid system are heroes to everyone in society in, in South Africa. There has to be a conversation laying out exactly what the past were, was, and that you know people were harmed by it, and that you know, the impact of that is still seen today.
0: Ron Nixon is a Washington correspondent for the New York Times who covers homeland security and amongst others, of course, what is um, uh, most critical for for us in South Africa. And it's been covered um, and reviewed by a number of our publications. He's the author of the book, Selling Apartheid, Apartheid, South Africa's Global Propaganda War, published by Jakarta Media um, in June uh, 2015. And then also Richard Friedman, uh, much appreciated with us in studio. Uh, Richard is, um, he was in 2006 appointed director of the Cape Town Holocaust Center and also director of the South African Holocaust and the Genocide Foundation appreciate you making time to 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 speak to us and I'm sure Richard uh, that we're going to take advantage of your close proximity to us uh, to bring you into other conversations as well
1: thank you so it's been a pleasure being here this morning I, I really thank you for the invitation
0: that is confronting racism for today next week we're going to be looking at the psychology of apartheid. Thank you very much to Amy Kramer, uh, Marcus Egovesh, as well as Mario.